A reading from Exodus. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirst, thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called this place Massa and Harabai, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from Romans. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that way while we were sinners. Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God, through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. 
Jesus came to the Samaritan city of Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out from his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become for them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to him, 
to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jug and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has bought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more? Then comes the harvest. But I tell you, Look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I had ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my heart and the meditations of all of our hearts be ever-present and thankful in, our, in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The most interesting man in the world tells us, I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. Stay thirsty, my friends. I'm going to take a little leeway with this this morning and say, I don't always drink water, but when I do, I generally drink from the wrong well, so I'm always thirsty. Water plays an important role in our life. Our bodies are made up of 60 to 65% water, and the rest is just a few pounds of dry chemicals. 
In my case, it's more like 10, 20 pounds more of dry chemical, but that's neither here nor there. Water keeps our body clean, our food clean, our houses clean. It makes the grass and the trees grow, which produce oxygen. It's a must-have. Water plays an important role in our study of Scripture as well. Stories throughout the Bible tell of the necessity and importance of water. In the beginning, the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. The Red Sea was parted for those in exile to cross on dry land, and then the waters closed in on the Egyptian army, saving the Israelites. We heard in Exodus this morning, Moses struck the rock in the wilderness and water poured out for them to drink. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and the earth was destroyed, save for Noah and the folks in the ark. Water in this story was how God destroyed, yet saved his creation. But more on that another day. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. We find in the prayer book, we thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. In it we are buried with Christ in his death. By it we share in his resurrection. Through it we are reborn by the Holy Spirit. And we see it in literature, the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Water, water everywhere, and all the boards did shrink. Water, water everywhere, and not a drop to drink. We can go without food, but we cannot survive without water. Once again, we find Jesus and his disciples traveling. And just like all of us, when you travel, you need to rest. There was no text dot, rest stop. There was no Walmart. And there were certainly no Bucky's, no beaver nuggets in Jesus' day to stop and snack on. I'm not real sure how they survived because I can't survive without Bucky's, but anyway. So they ended up stopping outside of Sychar. Now, just kind of give you a little geography. It's like if you were going to walk from here way over to Manville, you'd be tired. Sychar is a small Samaritan city near the plot of ground where Jacob uh, had given his son Joseph the well, Jacob's well. It was about lunchtime, noon, and they got to the gates of the city. Jesus was tired. So he sent the disciples in to buy bread. Along that same time, a woman comes to the well. You need to know that noon is not the preferred time to come draw water at the well. The fat kid in me hates to sweat. So I'm going to be like all the ladies of the day and go real early in the morning before the sun's up to get my water or real late in the afternoon. But this woman had a history and she chose a time to go to the well when there would be nobody else around. Give me a drink was how Jesus began the conversation, not hello. Not, how's it going? Not, what's up? Give me a drink. Jesus already knew this woman and what her life was. She had been up to the plate, up to bat, many, many times in her life. And today, she already had three strikes against her when she came across Jesus. And she knew it. Strike one, she was a woman. It was considered completely and totally inappropriate for a good rabbi to have a conversation with a woman one-on-one in public. It wasn't done. This is evident in the passage when the disciples returned and were amazed that Jesus was talking to the woman. Strike two, she was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were quite a mixed bag of crazy. Their history goes back to roughly 900 years before Christ in the time of the divided kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom broke off, got a new king, and didn't follow the Davidic line. They set up shrines to worship other gods, 
It just didn't really work out well for them. In roughly 700 BCE, this northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrian army and scattered around the world. They scattered, intermarried Jews and Gentiles, Assyrians, and so on. Their national identity was broken down, and those that were conquered were just weak. Pagan influences grew, and these folks just fell off the, the religious wagon completely. This woman knew that she was part of that mixed bag of crazy, which prompted her question, how is it that a Jew would ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for you don't have any dealings with us? Strike three. She was a woman with a history. Things done and things left undone. Some were good, some were not so good. Guilt, regret, fears, wounds, sorrow, and yes, secrets. Her life could easily serve as a mirror for many of our lives because we are folks with a past as well. We have a history. And sadly, we're too quick to judge others on what we see on the outside. We are all Samaritan women in one way or another. So for this at bat, she has in her mind struck out completely. Remember, women were considered property. No rights, no voice, just an existence to reproduce and to serve men. In her day, she could be considered promiscuous. Sadly, in our time, not so much, as all too often this is accepted as the norm. Five husbands, and she's currently shacked up with number six, unmarried. She was five times left alone. Women could not initiate divorce. Perhaps she was five times widowed, we don't know, suffering the death of five husbands. But all in all, she was five times starting over and sadly making mistakes each and every time. For most of her life, this woman was looked at, but yet not seen, labeled, yet nameless, unknown and overlooked by everyone except for Jesus. We all thirst to be known and to be loved, and on the deepest levels, and we all want to pour our life out to those who know us, to share our life, to share our story with others, letting them get a drink from our well and from our being. Give me a drink, Jesus said, inviting this woman to allow herself to become known and to be loved. What we don't like is to be found out. For others to find out about us without our knowledge and our consent leaves us dry, desolate, and empty, causing total dehydration, thirsting for something more, something better, something real. Sadly, it's our tendency to return to the same old well in order to quench that dry and desolate thirst, repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. For some folks, it's the marriage well. For some, it's the gambling well. For some, it's the well of perfection. For all too many, it's the well of addiction. For some, it's the well of busyness. And for others, it's the well of isolation. Stop and think of the wells that you or those you know and love drink from and of the impact it has on their life. Can you see the never-ending cycle? Can you see the tendency to continue to go back to the same old dry well? There is another well, a well we can drink from that will quench our thirst, and that well is Jesus. This well will wash us clean from our past. It will free us from all the patterns and habits in this life that keep us dry and desperate for water. 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now in comes our naivete. She still thinks that Jesus is talking about, as the water boy Bobby Boucher puts it, high quality H2O. But Jesus is talking about eternal life. He's talking about spiritual thirst and spiritual refreshment about life. The woman asks where to get this water, so she no longer has to come to the well. Maybe she's starting to get it. Perhaps she's just tired of coming to the well that she's been drawing from for all these many years. She's tired of living in her shame, in her guilt, and having to come to the well at noon to draw water instead of the early hours, the late hours with other women. She wants to refresh her life. She wants to get a new start. And Jesus does just that. He helps her get the new start. In all of the travels of Jesus and his disciples, he knows that he is ultimately traveling to the cross. As he hangs on that cross, Jesus will eventually say, I thirst. Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, holy innocent, will endure the physical pain and agony of the crucifixion. His side will be pierced and out will flow a rush of blood and water. There's a southern gospel song that goes, One day I came to him, I was so thirsty. I asked for water and my throat was so dry. He gave me the water that I never dreamed of, but for this water my Lord had to die. He said, I thirst, yet he made the rivers. He said, I thirst, yet he made the sea. I thirst, said the king of the ages, in his great thirst, Jesus brought water to me. This is how Jesus offers living water to this woman and how he offers the same to us today. His sacrifice on the cross won forgiveness for all of our sins, whether we have led an immoral life or a moral and just life. Jesus knows our need. This living water is life in the spirit. It's eternal and everlasting life that will overcome death itself. This water is Jesus' own life. Drinking this water allowed the woman to discover deep within herself the hidden thirst she had in life. I charge each of you during this Lent to stop and take a look at the deep wells that you drink from. We too must come to discover our own selves in these wells. The wells that don't quench our thirst, we must change our pattern, our routine, and our goal. Perhaps you've been looked upon unfairly by others or done something to be ashamed of in life. Perhaps you feel guilty about something you've done or something you have left undone. Whether you have one, two, or three strikes, Jesus wants to meet you at the well. The love that Jesus has for you and for all of us wipes out the strikes, wipes out the guilt, wipes out our shame, and clears a slate for new and better life in him. I want to challenge each of you to drink from the well of beer during this Lent. You heard right, beer. Bible, empathy, Eucharist, and reconciliation. Lent is not only a time for self-reflection, it's a time for us to take a look at our relationships with others. I had the privilege of sharing a homily a few weeks ago here and talked about evangelism in that homily. We are called not only as a church, but as individuals to be disciples, to be evangelists, and we are to share this living water of God's love and God's mercy with the world.
We must take on the example of Jesus and lead people to different wells so they can discover living water. The ministries who participate here at St. Thomas do just that. They lead folks to better wells. They offer the cup that dips into the well of Jesus and it offers new life as well. We all know people in life that are thirsting for the waters of life, water which is freely given by Jesus. Shouldn't we discard our own personal water jar so that we can share this living water? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Give me a drink should be our prayer each and every day. Now I'm not real sure, the Bible doesn't tell us this, I don't think Jesus ever got that drink from the woman, but she got the drink she needed in her life. I don't always drink water, but when I do, now I drink from the well of living water from the most interesting man in the world ever. <laughs>